You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today's a really good episode, and I'm going to tell you the buzzword of today, and it's discipline. A lot of hunters, including myself at times, I feel lack discipline, and for several reasons, but one of the reasons, like you're going to hear in today's episode with Hunter Jared Carter, you're going to hear his discipline, and that is staying out of his farm, not contributing to any pressure until the time is right. He's waiting for the the right time of year, and the right time of year, he finds out, is based off historical data, is based off of trail camera data, and so a lot of these deer are just walking around nocturnally on his farm and then he goes and checks his trail camera bingo shooter shows up okay he has to wait almost through the entire first two weeks of november before this deer starts to daylight and then he gets in and i i'm calling that discipline because a lot of guys including myself would get in there uh, november 1st and just pressure the shit out of the farm and knowing that the deer's nocturnal knowing that he's currently not making his circuit in there and then basically what he's doing is he's ruining ruining it for himself and for the the deer that are are in there and so the story here is about information and discipline and that is what leads to his success two years in a row and he he dropped the hammer on to uh two amazing deer and so it's a i love this uh i love this episode 
myself, let's see, I'm not sure if when I'm launching this episode. So it could be two days left in the shotgun season, or it's the first day back into the official late season muzzleloader archery portion of the the time here in Iowa. And so my goal is to get out, I'm going to say the 26th of December, right after Christmas season is over and I'm going to hunt for four, five days, really, really hard. And if a three and a half year, or excuse me, if a four and a four year old, five year old buck shows up, I'm probably going to shoot it. Um, I'm going to, I'm really only going after the highest caliber of deer this time of year because I already have a good deer down. Uh, I'm looking at his rack right now. He's, you know, I, I, f- I feel like he's a four-year-old, maybe one year older, maybe one year older, but there's no need for me to put another big buck on the wall. That's just kind of my thought. So there, there are a couple, um, really good this and this is the shitty part really really good three-year-olds running around and i just either hope they don't show up or i can have the fortitude to pass them if they do show up and so there's a good chance i'm gonna see a lot of deer but i'm gonna have two tags i'm gonna have a doe tag and i'm gonna have my any sex late season tag my muzzleloader tag which i'm gonna use with my bow i'll, I'll be bow hunting and so the goal is either a giant or I'm going to stack two does for the freezer and we'll we'll kind of see what we'll see what happens because I'm going to need I you know I'm not running out of venison per se because last year I had a really good season and put uh put two great bucks in my freezer and I still have a little bit of meat left that should last me a couple more months so I want to I want to take this opportunity and put a couple does down if I have the opportunity maybe you know in a perfect world a giant buck and uh, a really good doe and that would make me very happy so uh there's that other than that man it's wrestling season here in this household both my my boys are starting starting have started wrestling this year they're taking a liking to it and uh, they wrestled in their first wrestling tournament this past weekend and I was pleasantly surprised by uh my oldest son my youngest son he's only five so he just kind of rolled around in the mat a little bit um i <laughs> and this is only after 10 practices period that's that's his entire wrestling experience 10 practices and he did pretty good um i i would say if we kept score in this tournament this was a developmental tournament so even if kids get pinned then what they do is they they let them get back up and they let them wrestle. And so it's just to get kids wrestling. And so if I was going to say, you know, he, uh, if there was score put to this, this little tournament that he was in this weekend, he would have won his first one, lost his second one, and won his third match, probably putting him in a second place range. And so uh, I was just kind of blown away by his aggression. He's a softy in heart but it's like when they blew the whistle uh, of switch flipped and he got really ultra aggressive and that's I'll be honest as a father that's something awesome to to see because he has composure 
that means he has composure at this point. So enough bragging about my kids, man. I, I just think it that was really cool. My daughter's in dance, and she's absolutely loving it. And uh, I can't wait to see her uh, her program this uh, this spring. And what else, man? That's about it. Here we're just trying to we're trying to wind down. It's business mode time here at the house, and uh, I'm just trying to get ready for the ATA show. I'm trying to uh, plan out my budget and my expenses for 2023, and you know, get money and spend money and, and grow the business and all that good stuff. So it's uh, business as usual here in Iowa, and if my what I'm what I'm going to tell you guys is there's still plenty of time left especially the guys down south I also today I launched a hunting gear podcast it's all about southern must have products for the southern outdoorsman and so it's 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 southern based cuz right now the southern rut is kicking in or it's already in progress and so uh, I know there's a lot of guys out there who are just grinding their ass off right now uh, trying to get it done down south so good luck good vibes to them good luck and good vibes to all of you and all of your winter endeavors hopefully you guys stay warm good vibes in good vibes out I oh I forgot to do my commercials uh, people would hate me if I uh, didn't do my commercials I'm gonna keep them short because the intro has been long tethered if you're looking for a saddle saddle hunting accessories information on how to be the best saddle hunter that you can be go check out tethered hands down uh, they have the the best team of people uh, that is will not only sell you a really good product but educate you on how to use that product the right way wasp broadheads um, just got confirmation that i'll be working with wasp again in 2023 i love the people that work there an amazing staff uh, a majority of their heads are made in america awesome design awesome material i'm just like something about the wasp broadhead uh gets me fired up and it must be the inner i don't know the inner predator in me because let's be honest there's something really satisfying about following a blood trail and I mean a really good ground-soaking blood trail. And you get those with wasp. And not only do you get the really good blood trails, but you also get uh, dead deer at the end of a marginal shot too, where there might not be a lot of blood or you hit guts or liver or bad, you know, back hip or I don't know, whatever. There's a lot of damage done by their heads. And that's why I continue to use them every year. Discount code NFC20. Go out and get yourself some uh, wasp broadheads. I'm a huge fan of the three blade jackhammer. Hunt stand. Uh, I said this in the hunting gear podcast today. This is, I think hunt stand would actually, of all the products that a, a hunter could own, I think hunt stand might actually have the most value and what i mean by that is hunt stand allows you to think about hunting when you're not hunting it allows you to think and actively scout when you're when you can't actually be out scouting it gives you the opportunity to be involved and and, and this is what i've always said time kills deer the amount of time that you can dedicate in in the woods, scouting, trail camera pictures, food plots, um, you know, habitat management, uh, you know, e-scouting, thinking, just time. Everything that you're doing 
allows you to put together a better detailed plan for upcoming hunts, especially if you're chasing mature bucks, you know, big, big deer. And so it just allows you to be more efficient in your thought process. And so uh, an app like HuntStand not only just allows you to e-scout, but it allows you to document everything that you see while you're scouting, while you're hunting, uh, organizes trail camera pictures. And so uh, I think that HuntStand would be an ultimate gift for uh, a new or seasoned or hardcore or weekend warrior type of hunter. So huntstand.com, go check it out. And and then also take a look at their pro whitetail upgrade that they have. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Last but not least, Vortex Optics, man. Vortex is going to be doing, I think they're either doing it now or they will be doing it. It's like the 12 days of Christmas and they're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff on social, on their social media. So if you're not already following Vortex on social media, please go do that. I think they're going to be giving away a tons of prizes, uh, over the Christmas uh, season here. So go check out vortexoptics.com. In my opinion, when it comes to participants in the activity that they sell their products in Vortex is a, I don't know what they call those, like a figurehead in the outdoors, right? Not only do they make, you know, great products, but they support the hunting. They support the outdoors. And so they're participants in the outdoors. And and that's important to me when working with a company because they're just not trying to make money in it. They're supporting it as well. And so if you're looking for a rangefinder, spotting scope, rifle scope, pair of binoculars, then you definitely need to go check out vortexoptics.com. And if you're looking for a new rangefinder, check out the Crossfire HD 1400. I used it uh, this year and it's amazing. It's a great rangefinder, very accurate and very bright and tells you exactly where, you know, where, uh, how long the shot is. And so it goes up, I think it goes up to the 1400 means it goes up to 1400 yards accurately. So go check that out and we're good. Long, long intro today. I apologize for that, but let's get into today's episode. It's a banger. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, Mr. Jared Carter. Jared, how are we doing, man? Doing awesome, man. Had a really good season two years in a row. <laughs> I'd say. I'd say uh, you sent me these pictures and, uh, <laughs> and I look at something like that and I instantly hate your guts because because of how big those deer were yeah yeah i could hear that i get that from a lot i guess (laughs) and so today we're gonna we're gonna break down your last two years and we're gonna have a little conversation about what led you to the success that you've had Uh, but before we get into that i'm gonna ask the question i always ask and that's where do you live and what do you do for a living um i'm from kane illinois small town um and i am a heavy equipment operator for a underground mine okay so you are you are running like a big dump truck or an excavator or or something like that yeah it's a front-end wheel loader um load customers for like limestone you know for like your asphalt concrete uses yeah is any of that uh operation underground um yeah as far as we mine all our rock um underground and then it's brought up to the surface afterwards after it's um screened and separated okay all right and then that's when you step in yeah okay all right 
that's cool, man. Um, and then who, who are your customers? Like who buys the limestone from you guys? Um, really just, um, any, you know, third party customers that deliver to, you know, like state jobs and, um, big commercial jobs. And, and so what's, uh, give me an example of where the stuff that you mine ends up like on, on dirt somewhere, like to level or, or build foundations or what are we talking? It's on your highways. Um, um, any job site. Like uh, you know, your concrete for um, big industrial buildings and down okay. to your house, basically. All right. Driveways. And so that would uh that would be you lay that first, then you put the concrete over top of it. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Cool, man. Cool. Interesting job. Um, but we're here to talk about big bucks today. You mentioned you lived in Illinois. Have you been an Illinois resident your whole life? Yep, all my life. All, all your life. Same town, different town? Um, yes, basically. Um, Jerseyville is actually the, the nearest um, big town. I live out in a rural area, um, kind of in between towns. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, whenever we hear people talk about Illinois, we think of what they call that the Golden Triangle, right? You talk about Pike County and some other counties out on the western part of the state. Um where like where are how far are you from the mississippi river oh um 10 miles maybe okay so you're close are you are I'm you really... closer to st louis or chicago oh st louis for st. sure louis. okay all right so you're in the south what that would that be like south central part of the state so or south, southwestern yes. part of the state yeah. Okay. All right. I've had a couple guys on here before who hunt some public down in Southern Illinois, and they say uh, it's actually really good public ground around there. Yeah, it is not bad. Um, we have some really close to me, um, a state park that has a lot of um, public ground, and then Southern Illinois, like farther down, um, actually have, you know, um, some state ground and government ground that you can hunt. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the, like the way he was talking, it was almost like maybe I should get down there and do some scouting. That's how good it was. But, um, you know, that is what it is. Now I want to talk about the, the last two years, cause you've connected on two really good giants. And you mentioned that in the note that you sent me, you mentioned that it was on a, a farm that uh, was really close to your house that uh, one of your friend's families owned. And so is this a property that you have been hunting for several years or have you recently just gained access to it? Um, about 10 years, roughly, um, that I've had access to and hunting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, um started to get more educated on, um, you know, big deer and really honing in on it in the last four or five. Okay. So since you started hunting this piece of property, uh, did you see, or did you know, or did you hear of this property being really good and holding big deer? Um, just because I'm, you know, from the area. Yeah. Um, I know the area in general, you know, holds big deer, not necessarily the property, but this area west of um, town, I would say. Gotcha. Okay. So 
as you um you know as you start hunting this farm uh did you did you get a good idea uh that there were there like it was a good quality farm and that it held it it specifically held deer or like i mean were you running trail cameras all 10 years i mean did you see deer from the stands you know do other people hunt this farm that kind of stuff um yeah they so i'm not the only one that hunts the farm um they have other friends and uh, family you know they have sons that hunt it too but i'm one of the primary ones that i guess puts in the more time maybe gotcha you know yeah yeah and so because the so this year and last year giants uh, have you shot any other deer off this farm since you started hunting it um yeah so i've i've shot five off of the five bucks off the farm okay five bucks uh, in 10 years right yeah okay and uh, the two and in, including the two recent ones were the other two or other three bucks that you shot off this farm similar in as far as the caliber is concerned to these two no no okay no. Uh, i mean they're they were probably um 130 ish okay if i was to guess okay and so but in that time frame were there other deer were there other big deer on this farm? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, all right. And so, I, actually, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We actually, um, and and previous years before the last two that I've had, we've we've we're definitely chasing um, a couple good ones that we had had on camera. I just never was able to connect with them. Gotcha. All right. And so the reason I'm asking all these questions, it's going to lead into a habitat question. And so, you know, you have a, you have a property that just from the sounds already of it, it's, it has all of the characteristics of a good farm, food, water, cover, right? Does for the breeding season. And so talk to us a little bit about how big this farm is what the terrain's like, what the, the, maybe the farmland huntable timber type breakdown is and lay this out. So we get an understanding of what this farm is like. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, so it's it's a mix of ag and, and timber. Um, it sits down in a valley. Most of the property um, has a good um, spring-fed creek that runs down through the bottom of it. Okay. Um, there's pro- It's 200 and roughly 50 acres and i would say i don't know roughly 70 acres of it's tillable the rest is timber and fingers okay so all so it's it's like uh what is that 250 so we're looking somewhere at about a uh a dang near 25 percent or 75 percent of it 70 percent of it is timber yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there, there's a lot of cover on this farm. There, 
Yep. Yep. All right. And so with that 70 acres, you know, the fingers and the big, the, the chunks of timber, um, does that seem to hold a, a, a good number of deer as well? Um, bucks. Yes. Um, my doe population has actually went down, um, in this 10 years, you know, earlier, um, 10 years ago when I first started hunting that farm, you know, it was nothing just, you know, you're from Iowa, you hunt Iowa, you know, we're very fortunate, but you can sit and see, you know, average 10 deer a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so going into, let's say 2020, 2021, um, I seem like our doe population actually came down and we weren't really harvesting more than maybe one or two off the, off the farm. Yeah. But she, natural predators, you know, bobcats and all that. I don't know if that's causing the downturn or neighboring properties, but it always has held bucks quite well, um, especially come rut, uh, just because of the natural fingers and draws and yeah, the way laid out. So um, are, you, are you running a lot of trail cameras every year? Um, so we run roughly four cells and about three or four non-cell cameras. Yeah. And so does that allow you to get a really good inventory of the deer that's on your property? Those deer that are on your property? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And it, you know, obviously it must be in a, a pretty good neighborhood, um, where the caliber of deer that you're chasing, especially the last two years have got to the age, Right older deer i mean it's just it's you know sometimes you'll have a a young deer with a big genetically superior rack but for the most part bucks got to get into that four-year-old five-year-old six-year-old age class in order to get the the big high scoring headgear right and so um like are you guys practicing any type of restrictions on, on that farm where you guys are saying, Hey, nothing under this gets shot or no, you know, it's gotta be a four-year-old to get shot. Uh, I mean, any type of restrictions you guys put on that farm? Uh, yeah. So we do, uh, for the most part, um, you know, our, our kids, um, hunt that too, which they have no restriction. You know what I mean? They get yep. to shoot whatever, but, um, as far as bow season, and everything is we try to go for that you know that mature deer four four and a half um and we kind of we kind of look for um 135 plus before we even think you know yeah so that's kind of how we judge them is we want them to be at least around that 135 140 before we even think about them but doesn't always work out that way but right right but it, it also sounds like i mean you guys are practicing something along the lines of this 135 uh age class do the neighbors around this 250 are, are they holding out for big deer too we've got uh really good neighbors as far as um they practice basically the same thing that we do you know that they've all they've all killed decent deer and um are willing to you know let them grow yeah 
And so you, you not only have a good farm with good cover, you have food, um, you have the does, but you also have all the other farms around you that have really good, you know, management practices, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. So you have, you have access to a farm that is just really good, right? It, it is, it, it is what guys from Michigan, unfortunately dream about, right? Or guys from Pennsylvania, they want to walk into a farm and just be like, holy shit, man. Um, do you guys do any type of habitat improvement on this farm or plant any food plots? Um, yeah, I'm, as far as, um, we plant at least one, two food plots a year. Um, sometimes, and they're usually, um, not just for deer, they're for turkeys too. You know what I mean? We do a lot of, um, of your clover plots just because they come back every year and get more plush. Plus the farmer, um, typically puts alfalfa out for cattle. So, I mean, that's like a built-in food plot right there. So, yeah. Is, so is this a full functioning farm? You mentioned cattle, uh, ag. I mean, is there, you know, there are some, I mean, but is there anything done specifically for deer? Uh, other than, other than food plots? No, as far gotcha. as, um, and Okay. So no like hinge cutting or, or, you know, burning or things like that. Nope. Okay. All right. All right. So, so as far as the deer uh, that you shot, let's just say, I'm going to ask you one question about both deer. Did you know about these deer for multiple years before they showed up and they were on your hit list? Um, yes. So the one in 2021, um, the nickname Palmer, um, cause it was pulmonated rat. Yeah. Uh, we had him for two years on camera, um, between me and the neighboring property. And, um, he was, um, still actually growing. I have pictures that I could send you of 19 in 2019. I had him, um, he was already pulmonated and, um, he just kept growing yeah. more mass, yeah, more height. And so, so, so you knew about him from the previous year, but what, did, were you able to identify him by his characteristics for like three years ago or four years ago? Man, I would like to say I, I did, but I'd never have got like as a two and a half or three and a half year old deer. Um, I never picked up on that characteristic when he was younger on that, you know, on any kind of cell camera. Gotcha. Are you on, on this farm? Like, are you finding that? A mature, like a deer, like deer will stick to an area or do you see deer move in and out every year? Like a big buck comes in one year and then he's gone the next, or, or do you see trends where deer like to live on this farm? They stay on this farm. Uh, no, this is definitely a, um, a travel farm for sure. Okay. Um, so the deer that we get on camera, a lot of times, say if we got, um, five to six different quality bucks in um, August, September, they, we may get two out of them that stay, you know, come late October, early November. Yeah. Okay. But, but we also get a lot of deer. Like, so both of these deer I had on camera in late in the season, 
I would both of them I had had um, on camera after shotgun seasons and season was over, to, you know, to know that they made it through the season. So they stay in the area through, um, you know, end of the January, the late um, feeding season. And then um, we lose them. They never summer on this property ever because I've never gotten neither one of these deer in velvet. Okay. But they show back up. They've both shown back up. Uh, is it about the same Multiple time every year? year? Yep. Late October, uh, 1st of November, they tend to show up. Okay. And so, man, that's like, I, I, I would prefer that as opposed to what I got going on on the farms that I hunt where it is a summer farm. And based off of the summer pictures, man, I would love to, you know, it's just like, oh man, I'm going to have multiple booners to chase. And then September hits. And I, I, I've only, like, I say this all the time, they split, they leave and who knows where they go. And then some of, sometimes they come back, you know, rarely do they stay. It's like this huge shift. And, uh, and so long story short, I wish I had what you got going on where I don't know what's coming in. And then it's when it starts, you know, this mid October, early November timeframe, when I'm going to start putting time in the woods, then they move in. Right. So, um, why, let me ask you this. Why do you think that is, why do you think they're not summering on this farm and they're, they're somewhere else? I don't know. I really, I would, that's a good question. I've been asking myself for uh, a while. Um, it is not, um, it is a family farm. You know what I mean? So it's utilized between um, crops, cattle. Um, they've got kids, grandkids that, you know, utilize it as far as playing in the creeks and whatnot. So yeah. it does have pressure. So I don't know if that affects it, you know what I mean, as mm-hmm. far as summering. Um, that's about my best educated guess on that. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the summertime. Uh, is this a farm where they pull, like they have the cattle on in the summer and then maybe September they pull them off to go to a different pasture? Um, he has a designated pasture, okay. um, that is, and, um, from time to time, um, if, if a field that is budding against, you know, pasture, they will get opened up to that field for a short period of time that you have to work around, but yeah, they're mostly dead. Yeah, there's there's about an 88, uh, maybe a 70 acre pasture on my main farm. And that's where cows are all summer. But once the beans or the the corn is picked, they'll open the gate, they'll let them in the field. And then they'll put one of those, you know, circle things with the big bales of hay in there. You know, they'll rotate that and that's where they stay all summer. Or excuse me, all, uh, all winter until the spring. And so... Once the cattle move out of that pasture, there's a pinch point in there that really opens up and deer start to travel through it. So, man, and I've said this before, too, I just deer and cattle, man, for some reason, just don't mix that well. Uh, Do do you see that as well? Or are I mean, are you seeing the the mixing of the cattle and the, the, the deer? Oh, no, I I agree with you 100 percent on that. And I remember hearing you talk about it in previous uh podcast um yeah i i've had very little luck and especially in the permanent pasture i mean it looks like there is some oak flats at the top um that look like they would be prime you know ridge runners for for good bucks but uh, it just happens to be fenced in in the cattle side and uh yeah i've never had any luck on that part of it yeah absolutely 
I have in the past, you know, I have seen a, a, um, a decent buck push a doe inside there, you know, during breeding just to, to keep her away. Right. But it's, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of it. Okay. All right. So 2021, uh, you first saw this deer in, in 2020, uh, in 2020 was, was he a shooter in 2020? Um, so the first year would have been 19. Okay. 19. And, um, yes, I, I would say he was definitely, um, a shooter then. Um, a funny story behind that is, um, a, a quality deer like that, you know, I don't know how, how it is around you, but, um, but you don't get a whole lot of daylight pictures of them. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, they tend to come out in front of the cameras and in the dark. And we had a few of him in, um, in 2020, actually, uh, second day of gun season, we had him walk right through the food plot and nobody decided to hunt that location that day. And there was a little few people that were probably upset about that, Yeah. but, uh, he managed to get through that year and he was great. I mean, he, he looked good then even, I mean, he was palmated, you know, 19 and 20, both. Um, I don't even know how yeah. a buck even that genetic. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously you identify him in, in, in 2019 and 2020 leading into the 21 season. Were you able to, over the previous two years, were you able to identify any patterns or, uh, terrain features that he liked to visit or go through that helped you have an edge on him going into the 21 season? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so we have a, um, an area that, that holds a hub scrape. I call a hub scrape, you know, every year it's a, it's a big scrape down in a valley that, um, that has about three or four ridges that, you know, feed into that one flat area. Yeah. And it's towards, it's towards the, the backside of the property there. And, um, that's and that I had in there was off limits until November and, um, I had some camera footage of him, you know, on, um, it was on a regular cell cam that I checked and he had popped up. And so I was gathering that he was, he was running like a, I would say roughly like a five day loop. You know what I mean? Like I would see him a day or two and then I, then he'd be gone off the property for uh, three to four days before he was back in. All right. And was he doing that? Was he doing that in 19 and 20? Um, yeah, for the most part, definitely okay. 2020, uh, 19. I got very limited pictures of him in 19. Gotcha. All right. So the, the other question I have is, do you feel that crop rotation has any effect on the deer movement or the number of deer that hold up or even mature bucks on your farm? Uh, for sure. Um, I think it does. It, and, and it is usually, so 
take for instance this year is a heavy um heavy bean side this year and um you know so there it's split mostly on his ground that he farms um 50 50 but the way the the land lays out it was heavier on bigger uh, fields and i definitely see um a different rotation of you know the way they come out into a field every year uh depending on if it was corn or beans gotcha all right and so and so they 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 move around it's not like they go anywhere it's just that they access different parts of the field different ways. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Okay, cool. All right, uh, and so you're keen to that, which is good. All right, and so and so you you figured this deer out on um, and you know from the information from 2019 and 2020. Uh, did you do any type of research to find out? You know, like maybe uh, take a trail camera picture and say all right here's the trail camera picture on this date and it you go back and you check the wind direction and you say okay it's a it's a southwest wind or it's a north wind or whatever it was um did you start to see trends uh that way at all um i did a little so typically you know i got better picture footage in on the farm when we have um uh, you know, north, northwest winds. Gotcha. It's just the way, the way the farm lays out. Now, the way um, the stand location that I shot him out of um, is, like I said, uh, it's down in a, uh, a valley between three or four ridges that run together. So what I look at on hunt stand and tells me my wind is, and when I get there, you know, it swirls in there. So it is, uh, it's a hard one to go into and, and actually know which way the wind is actually going to go down in that valley. Gotcha. Okay. And so now, now you, you're identifying these wind directions. You've identified a little bit of a pattern, you know, Hey, he's gone for four or five days, but then he comes back and hangs around. When you started making a move, what, let me, let me ask you in 2021, when did you start making a move on this buck? Um, for him, it was um, Veterans Day weekend. So it um, he daylighted on camera on like November 7th or 8th. So I knew he was in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was he, was he just nocturnal previous to that? Or did he just show up in November? Uh, yeah. So most of my pictures... Um, in 2021, when he did show up, it was nocturnal okay. until about November. Uh, don't quote me on this, but it was, I want to say it was November 9th or so. Okay. But you had him on camera, right? So you knew he was there. You were just, you were just waiting for the right, you know, the right scenario. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. The right scenario as far as weather and, uh, wind direction. Yeah. And was, was this was this Palmer buck, was he a Palmer or bus type season or did you have other deer that if they stepped out, you would have shot them as well? Um, that year in 2021, it would have been, um, him or the one that I shot this year. Okay. Um, they, <laughs> they kind of together early season and I had had him on camera too. <laughs> okay. All right. So you had two straight up two giants just hanging out with each other, walking around on this farm. And so you were, it, you were hunting both of them really, right? 
Right. All right. And did they run the same pattern, the same routes, you think? Um, so early October, we would get them, you know, within same pattern wise on, on same cameras. Um, but once, uh, rut really kicked in that they didn't have the same patterns, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. pushed each other whatnot, but they would still, if I had one on, I may have one on say, um, November 7th and then the other one would come through on November 8th or something like that. Gotcha. They just weren't hanging out together. They were in the area doing rut things, but just not together. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So, so Palmer, this buck, uh, talk to us a little bit about what led you to make the decision to hunt that specific stand that you killed him out of. Um, so wind direction was Northwest wind, which was perfect for, um, that stand. If, if, if it, basically gave me a northwest wind in that stand the whole time so that's why my entrance is is going in northwest and um so i've got a pretty good hike to get to that stand why Um, why is that stand where it's at what makes that a good spot uh, so it's probably the biggest um one of the bigger blocks of timber of a valley you know that kind of there's multiple ridges that lead down this valley all through this valley. That's probably a good, um, seven, 800 yards, you know, long, deep. And, um, so you have to walk through our food plot and then you go back into an old, um, old clear cutting that they had, um, used to run off of like maybe CRP. So it's just grown up in like, um, multiple rose bushes and just, junk trees you know what i mean yeah just and I, nasty I, stuff that deer love to live in yeah love to live in yeah it, it's hard to access getting in so yeah. i went in early and that was and so it was a morning hunt it was a morning on him yep okay and so what what date was this uh november 13th okay so he you said he daylighted roughly around november 9th and then yep. the next northwest wind that you had, you moved into this spot. Correct. And okay. that stand I did not touch um, until that day. That was actually the first time I had went into that correct that stand. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. That takes a lot of discipline, right? Guys, it does. Guys always want to jump in an area too early is, is what I've gathered doing this podcast for as long as I've done it. And you hear stories about guys getting, you know, it's like nocturnal, 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 not seeing any sign. Well, I'm going to get in there anyway. And then just things change and they don't get what they're going after. How hard was it for you knowing that these two caliber of deer were running around this farm and you you were staying out of it? So uh, the younger me would have um, probably dove in there October 15th. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> The, the older I got and the more that I listen to podcasts and just educate myself in general, yeah. um, you got to be in there at the right time too, or you're not doing yourself any good. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 So man, that, that takes a lot of patience, a lot of discipline. And so you get in there and was your access route in pretty clean? I mean, did you bump deer going in? No, I was actually, it was a really good 
Um, I, I didn't bump anything going in that morning. Um, I had, but it was on from the time that the sun come up. I mean, I had multiple deer come check that um, big hub scrape. Were you within and, shooting range of that that hub scrape? Yes, okay. I was rough twenty yards. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. All right, and so you, um, it's on, right? It's the rut. It's cracking. And so how many deer roughly did you see before this guy shows up? Uh, four. So I had, um, so I had two bucks come in and check that scrape. They were smaller ones. Yeah. Um, right first early in the morning. And, um, I had two does pass to my left side down a ridge and, uh, feed on through. And then, um, he didn't actually come through until probably almost nine o'clock, um, that morning. Okay. And he was just, he was just coming in from the direction that I thought he was going to come in. Um, like I said, I had troubles that morning as far as, um, I don't know if you use milkweed or not, but you know, I, I hunt stand was telling me dead Northwest wind and I was throwing milkweed and it was, it was cutting and going back East at times, you know? And I'm like, yeah. Oh man, this, this is kill me yeah and it just and so out. that time of year probably if i had to guess i mean was it a sunshiny day it was right. um, it was it started out really cold heavy frost yeah in the morning sun come up you know and just hit them ridges and I, thermals were rising yeah and uh that's what helped me get through that one that's for sure so is east from this stand location is east uphill um for the most part yeah okay there's, so there's your the thermals value. right your thermal yeah. your thermals are going up and so was that then getting dangerous at that point like where what direction did this deer come from um so he came from north east okay of me okay so thank god for the thermals which i'm assuming came where you know you said a north a straight north wind, but with, was there a lot of wind or not really? No, no. It was a pretty calm morning, actually, which which probably helped it a little bit. You yeah, know, it wasn't pushed up that way fairly yeah. high, and then thermals were right. You know, helping take that yeah out of that valley. So I, I I'm 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 putting myself in your position right now, and I, I'm visualizing me in that stand right now, and I'm highly confident because it's just that perfect frosty cold morning the sun starts to hit the ground thermals are lifting the air temperature i'm guessing was still cool and i don't know did you like where was your confidence level at this point um it was it was pretty good you know it's that magic time of the year you know i mean the two-week period of boy anything could just walk right in front of you so I, i was definitely confident that something good caliber would come through there at that day because you know you get that weather and you just it, it gives you that feel you know yeah, what i mean you got yeah the feel exactly and so he shows up walk us through what happened from the moment you saw him to right before you ended up drawing back um so he, i heard a rustling noise because he come down actually a ridge that was off to my right and um so i had heard the noise of him coming down through there and by the time that by the time that i could actually see his rack and see what 
and who he was. Um, he was probably only um, roughly 50 to 60 yards away from me. So this is quick. So it helped me. Yeah. yeah. So it, it helped, you know, because you don't get that um, buck fever to settle in and, and vibrate out of the stand. <laughs> That's a fact. So my kill mode went in, right? You know, he, yeah. he on a string basically to me, he, he came right down into right where that mock or that uh, hub scrape was right there. No calling, and, right? You didn't call at all? No, I, I did. I went in silent that day. I did not do anything with him. Okay. And so he's at 50 yards. He's headed right towards that mock scrape. What happens? Yep. And so um, he basically, by the time he gets, um, so the scrape's roughly um, 20 yards from me. And um He's almost pretty much in the clearing by the time he's 30 yards away from me. Okay. And when he walked in, um, I, I actually, he walked past the, after checking the scrape, um, he walked within 10 yards and I shot him right at 10 yards away from me. Gotcha. All right. And so you shot him. Initial reaction, was it a good shot? So um, it's kind of a, a weird one um so i shot him and i thought it was a, a fairly good shot um looking back on it uh, so basically he ran um 30 yards and and embedded down on me like literally 30 to 40 yards away from me like i could see his body couldn't see all his rack and he just bedded there and i'm like oh my god because he didn't really crash you know what i mean like he yeah. just went down and so that was my exit, um, was where he went to mm -hmm. get back out of that location. So I sat and waited him out for an hour or just to see what he, you know, what he was doing. I didn't see a whole lot of head movement. Was his head and, on the ground or still up at this point? I so he, it was on the ground and then he'd pick it up and then it'd be on the down, on the ground and pick it up. And so I was worried, um, that, if I, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to have to sit there and um, wait him out. And yeah. I did not, with a, a deer, I did not want to get down and, and push him out of that location. Yeah. Did you have another shot app opportunity on this deer? I had very small windows um, that I pulled back on multiple times to try. <laughs> it just didn't feel comfortable with a shot? Right. Okay. And so how long did you sit there and wait? Um, so maybe um, two hours total. And then he, he, so he expired in that time? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm looking at the picture now, and it, what that tells me is you didn't get any lungs, right? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking I got what i got out of it was i, I got liver and yeah. um part of the the back side of the lung okay probably some diaphragm yeah 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 was was he quartering away at all slightly quartering away okay all right yeah so so like were at this point were you nervous to get out of the stand like because i look at that and i go dude i can't see his head really if his eyes are if his eyes are closed, that means he's not dead. Like how, right. So what led to that decision to get out of the stand and see if he was 
still dead. Uh, finally, I seeing that head pick up. Like it was, you know, body movement. He had no body movement at all. Yeah. Uh, but that head kept picking up and then putting down. And um, I just, it was a waiting game. Yeah. And you waited and you won. And so, so Palmer, so Palmer takes a dirt nap. All right. Illinois has two tags you can use, right? Correct. Did you go back out again for the other shooter that was on this uh, property? I did not that year. I, I'm not a big firm believer in um, the Illinois system of two bucks okay. a season. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And I, I was on cloud nine from him, so I, yeah. you know what I mean. I was that your biggest buck ever by that at that time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. And so you're jacked, right? I am. Yeah. And as far as, and as far as you're concerned, right? Nothing is going to top this season or that, that that 21 season, right? You know, between me saying it, multiple um, public locations, talking to friends, family, you know, I said, I'll never stop that. Yeah. Not not so fast. You might, you might as well just hang it up, you right. know, because you're not gonna. Right, right. I'm I'm done bow hunting. Right. I'm not, I'm never gonna top this. So, but the buck that you end up shooting, he's still running around. Um, there's a lot of season left at that point. You got all of December. You got you know when does when does Illinois' season end? Uh, bow season is. Uh, January 15th. Okay, 15th. So when, so the rest of that season goes by, did you have any confirmation as soon as the hunting season was over that the the next buck was still alive? Uh, so, yeah, um, just from, you know, rumors of, of, of that deer um, between hot camps and stuff that are around me, uh, did not hear anything. And I leave my cameras out till at least February just to see what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the area after everything's done and over with. And he did actually pop up, um, late, late January to prove to me that he, uh, he made it to the season. Right. And so, oh, by the way, this Palmer buck, I, I should mention this, uh, you your taxidermist scored him at 181 right yeah 181 and seven eighths yeah giant giant you're never gonna you're never ever ever gonna top that and and so you got (laughs) you got you got confirmation that this next buck is now uh is now made it through the gun season right and knowing that then did you leave your trail cameras out all season long, like all all spring and summer to try to, you know, keep tabs on this next buck? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I pulled them um, in, in middle of February-ish um, just because, you know, back when we were talking, I, I don't get them summering in our area at all hardly um, but because I, I start them in August. And he's never, they've never been there in that August, September range. You know what I mean? When they're yep. still in them bean fields, velvet. Right, right. Okay. And so then at that, at this point, when was the next time you had confirmation that this buck was alive? Uh, the, the second one, right? The high tower is yep. what we called him. Okay. The, um, your 2020 buck. 
or tr- excuse me, 2022 buck. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, um, Hightower. Right. So I did not see him on camera till right around Halloween. He showed up. Okay. Around eight thirty first area. Knowing that the, these deer haven't been showing up until this late October, early November time frame, were, did you were you staying out of the woods? Were you actively hunting at this point, um, or were you kind of banking on this deer showing up again? Oh uh, yeah, definitely banking on him showing up around that same time. Okay. Um, just because that's the way that he had in the previous years, you know what I mean? They just I really haven't put my finger on it. Why that area, but let me ask you this. At what point would it take for you to stop? You know, historically these deer go away and then they show up in late October, early November. Let's say this time that late October timeframe passes and we're getting into this fifth, sixth, seventh period. And they're still not showing up. Are you, moving on at that point and this is a hypothetical question or are you uh are are you waiting it out to try to just just in hopes that he sh- they show up are you talking november uh yeah so uh, let's just go late october comes the the bucks don't okay. show up november the first week in november comes and goes are you are you still actively hunting these deer that haven't showed up yet could possibly be dead or are you moving on? Um, so until I hear anything within the area, uh, I, I would definitely be still educated. You know, I'd be definitely hunting him. Right. Um, and that's what my goal, but my beginning of my goal of 2022, um, was actually to get my, my 15 year old daughter, a, uh, a deer with the bow. Okay. Well, just so happened that um bad circumstances but she had to break her arm during soccer season and she was with she had to have surgery on her arm so she got about five days in the first of october to hunt and that was it and then it basically got handed right over to me again yeah well that sucks um and so so but he's but he showed up uh late out right around halloween right yeah okay and so Knowing what you know now about this farm, you know, you got one big mature buck out of the picture. Um, did he, when he came into the farm, I mean, how, from, from the time that you saw him to the time that you ended up shooting him, how, what, what was that time frame? Oh, he's talking about like far as, um, around that Halloween yeah, weekend so- and then. When did, when did you I end shot, up shooting him? Uh, I shot him on November 14th. Uh, okay. Uh, one day apart from the deer that I shot in the Palmer in 2021. Okay. And so were you, what, was he nocturnal this whole time or did you again wait for specific wind, specific, uh, like wait, wait for daylight pictures for him before you moved in on him? This one um, was definitely not that. I mean, I, all I had was him was nocturnal. Yeah. And when I got him, I was educating, you know, guess at 
I thought he was a 200 inch deer. Okay. And, I, and um, that's what drove me to wanting to hunt him pretty hard. Yeah. So, um, fast forward to my rutcation there that started uh, Veterans Day that Friday before. So it was the 11th. Um, I had five, four or five days in a row off and I hunted ro- remotely close to not out of the same stand, uh, that I shot Palmer out of, but I was actually, uh, mobile in a, a climbing tree stand and hunting ridges yep. that I thought that he was in, you know, because of trail camera pictures as where I had him uh, when I did have him, but he was nocturnal in those pictures, but you never know what happens to come rut though, you know, brings him in at a different time. And uh, so I hunted pretty hard, um, two all-day sits, uh, the 11th, the 12th, and then the 13th I hunted uh, morning and then evening. Okay. And no sightings of so, him? No sightings of him at all. So I was hunting timber for the most part, um, just trying to catch runs between crops and um, out of bedding. Right. And for some reason, uh, Monday, the 14th, that evening, I decided to hunt um, the edge of a bean field uh, just because uh, there were some spots in the beans that didn't get harvested um, that had cockaburs and stuff in it that just, you know, the combine didn't want to run through them. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty cool that uh, that Monday. So I decided to switch it up and go and hunt the field edge. And so I was hunting Monday afternoon. Um, I had two does come out uh, far side of the field and fed towards me and and back. I would say in the same in the same field, but back to my right behind me. Mm-hmm. And then I spotted him, high tower, and uh, two does came out in the field about 150, 200 yards away. And uh, I thought, holy cow, I got to see him in person from the stand. I didn't even think that he would work his way to me. Yeah. And so, but you were sitting on a field edge, right? And was this a morning or an afternoon hunt? This was an afternoon hunt. Afternoon hunt. So you, how early into that hunt did you lay eyes on him? Uh, it was um, 4.30, you know, here. Yeah. So I, it was good hour before um dark you know what i mean before shooting time was ended and so when you saw him was he working his way to you or away from you um so they were actually working their way to me so uh, i'll say this um it's a funny story because this is the way i tell it is um i didn't really kill that deer uh the doe killed the deer because she drove (laughs) she drove right uh he was locked on her and he was not going to let her go. Yeah. And, um, she kind of, they were doing the bump and chase all through the field. And I, at one point they went into a, a pocket or a corner and, um, I thought that was it. And she turned and came back and started headed towards my direction and they stopped and she fed there for a minute. And that's when I grunted, I pulled a grunt tube out and, um, I grunted at him and he looked up at me my direction and just stopped and stared for good felt like an hour but it was probably you know two minutes or so yeah looking that direction 
just try to pick up what was in that direction. And then she's decided to feed her way. The two does that were behind were still in the field feeding and she fed towards them and he was not going to let her go. So that was uh, when they walked in within bow range of me. And at when he started to come towards me um, with that, I'd say he was like about, I don't know, 40, 45 yards away. I had a snorting wheeze behind me and I was too afraid to turn and look because the doe was literally by that time, um, she was probably 20 yards right below me and I didn't have a whole lot of cover, you know, along the field edge. So I was afraid to turn and look and see what was actually going to be snorting, wheezing at, at him. And were they, and, uh, in, were they in a f- field? They were like that doe and high tower were in a, a f- wide open field, right? A, a cut bean field. Yeah. Cut bean field. Okay. This is where I struggle sometimes hunting field edges is knowing when to draw back when the deer are in the wide open, right? They're coming right to you. I mean, do you draw back at 50 yards and hope that they're, they continue their movement to 20 or whatever, or do you draw right at 20 and, and, and hopefully they, you know, they don't bust you or don't ca- catch your movement. How did you handle that? Um, it's a, it's a good story. So, um, <laughs> He came, so she was she was within about um, twenty yards of me, right? And he he hung out um, maybe about ten yards behind her, yeah. and uh, so when he turned to look at the other two does, um, that's when I drew back, and I was and when I drew back. She the one that the hot doe actually um, I would say spotted me or noticed something on that draw, yeah. and she bounced back about I don't know. 10 yards and then started doing the head bob and trying to pick me out of the tree. And that felt like, you know, holding a, a giant in your hand, trying to hold on to the bow yep. for that long period. Of time. Yeah. And so, uh, I, um, so now I got him and her both on high alert and, um, how far is he at this point? So I didn't, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to pull the range on him. So I was guessing him to be at 35. Okay. Um, so I, that's way my pin gap is set is, um, 20. And then my next pin is, as 30, 32 to 35 ish. Okay. And, uh, so I put my 35 on him and, um, I put it mid, you know, mid center mass lungs heart. And when I pulled the trigger on him, he actually ducked my arrow and I hit him right in the spine and it dropped him right there. Hey man, I've been there before. (laughs) I've been there before. Hey, guess what? He's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? You you don't, there's good bad about that. You know, the ethical part of it um, is like, Oh, now I got to get down and I got to put another arrow in this deer. But the other part was, is now I don't have that sick stomach feeling that I don't know if I hit a good shot and wait two hours. (laughs) Exactly. That deer died better than you know let's just compare let's compare the two i bet you the buck that you shot took uh last year took longer to die than the buck you shot this year you spined him he went down you followed up with another arrow and he's still he's still dead quicker yep absolutely by far yeah Yeah. because he by the time i down and put a good you know because i wanted a good clean shot at him um 
on the second one. So um, it was literally man, 10 minutes and he was inspired. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the second, second arrow was through and knocked everything out. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, so, so now you're, man, I don't know, like you're, you're sitting in or you're in a field with a buck you just killed who is bigger than the previous year's deer. At this point, what are you thinking when you when you walk up and you take a look at this this thing? What are you thinking? Holy cow! My taxidermy <laughs> was going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, but that's a good problem to have, man. If you're going to spend money oh, on something, sure. you spend I mean, money on taxidermy. That's right. That's I definitely blessed by far. Um, I, I was on cloud nine. It, I you know I called my wife and uh, you know I said you're not going to believe it, but uh, I shot the one, only one that I was actually going to be able to put on the wall this year that I was willing to. Yeah. And she's like, "Are you me?" <laughs> <laughs> and so now. I'm looking at this deer. You need to describe him for us because, uh, what would you say? He scored 197 and 7 eighths. Is that, is that gross? Yep. Yeah, that's that, gross. Okay, yeah. gross scores. All right. That's gigantic. Again, two gigantic deer back-to-back. I'm looking at, uh, what, a couple split G2s? What else? Yeah, so he split, actually, on both sides of the, the G2s. Um, his... Mainframe 11 with split G2s? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so his his left side, just to give you guys a reference on this, uh, his left side um, G2 was 15 and like four eights. Jeez. I mean, it, it, was, it was super long. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, he doesn't look like he has that. I mean, it's a good inside spread, but what? That, what, what yeah, 18? It, it was. It was high and tight yeah yeah um he right at r- real close to that 18 yeah yeah and so uh, dude that's a giant that's a giant deer. what was the inside spread on the other buck oh man I he looks a, he, it was a he looks a little wider 22 yeah. i think yeah amazing amazing well so so now the next question is right you're coming off of two years in a row of two absolute giants. Is this farm, or maybe you already have this buck in your, in your sights. Is it reloading again? And is there another deer of this caliber of this age class? going to like have your, have your thoughts right now. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's say, um, about a week ago, I would have probably told you no, that I don't have anything um, of those caliber um, going into next season. But I uh, one show up on camera um, a week ago that I would say that's probably not a, a 200-inch deer, but um, he's a mature um, five-year-old yeah. that's probably going to, you know, he's, he's going to be up there close to that 180s. Yeah, I really hate you now, man. When I said I was just joking earlier when I said I hated you, but now I really do hate you. 
<laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding, man. That's uh, that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, congratulations. And uh, I mean, the I, what I take away from this story is the discipline in staying out of the woods uh, until the time's right. You're not going in there in October when you don't have the intel or maybe the the uh, the pictures are showing nothing but nocturnal movement. You're waiting till the good time of the year. I tend to do that unless I have something pegged. I tend to do that. And it's just like, it's a win, man. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an actual good strategy. That's right. And I, and that's kind of what I, I got from it is, um, you know, the more I've learned on the years of hunting is, um, time in the seat at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Jared, man, congratulations on two banger years. Um, Appreciate it. I'm sending good vibes your way in hopes that you, even though I hate you a little bit, I'm still going to send you good vibes, and uh, I hope you get it done next year on this. Uh, I hope this big dog shows up again and you go back to back to back. And uh, and uh, But you better not be telling too many people <laughs> about, about this farm <laughs> because at some point someone's going to come in and go, I will offer you whatever you want for it. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> so, so hey, man, congratulations and good luck on any upcoming seasons. All right, thanks, Dan. Right back at you. And there we have it. Huge shout-out to today's guest, man. Congratulations on uh, two really, really good deer. Thank you all very much for taking time out of your day to hop on and chit-chat and, uh, and uh, listen along, I guess, but you know you are the reason that this whole platform is successful so we would appreciate you know we appreciate you listening and we would appreciate your continued support moving on into 2023 tell your friends because this is me just being biased but i i feel that the sportsman's empire network my podcast the hunting gear podcast offers excellent if not in my this is might sound a little cocky but some of the best content for deer hunters uh that there is so go check out uh all of our all of our lineup over at the sportsmansempire.com uh, website there you'll find all the profiles of all of the the content that we put out all the podcasts go check that out huge shout out to tethered wasp hunt stand and vortex man appreciate their support looking forward to working with those brands again in 2023 and last but not least, man, it is the giving season, right? It is the Christmas season. That means family. That means positive vibes. So let's send the positive vibes out to all of your friends and family. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.